0: Welcome to today's episode of the PQI Podcast. Today, we sit down with Wayne Woodbury. Wayne is the Pharmacy Director at Southern Oncology Specialists in North Carolina. He has overseen the growth of the practice's medically integrated pharmacy by broadening new-to-market product offerings, expanding payer relations, and improving medication therapy management and patient outcomes by adhering to accreditation performance standards. He currently sits on the advisory board for We Inspire, a multimedia platform that connects people doing good, generates inspirational stories, and ignites positive action. Today, we discuss his career path, work with We Inspire, and challenges in the community oncology space. All right, well, thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us today on the PQI podcast. To start out, will you please introduce yourself and tell our audience about your current role?
1: Yes, my name is Wayne Woodbury and first I am happy to be here with you, Ginger. Uh, I am the pharmacy director at Southern Oncology Specialist. We are in the greater Charlotte, North Carolina area. We have five practices. Uh, We do have a medically integrated pharmacy embedded in the practice. Uh, It's a a great practice. It's a great space to be in. Um, I know this podcast is geared to oncology. Um, it's we love it. We have a community-based practice uh, and we treat our patients like family members. Um, I remember hearing that coming in the door as a new hire and saying, you know, everyone says that. Yes. But it's 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 true. It is true. We do treat our patients as family.
0: That is wonderful to hear. You are in one, you're in one of my favorite states too. So that's, it's all, it's all good. We love our <laughs> oncology practices
1: too. Yes, we do celebrate having four seasons. And Yay. Everyone that.
0: <laughs> are you starting to get into fall or are you still summering?
1: So actually they just announced that we were ending our 90 day, uh, 90 degree days.
0: So nice. early,
1: but that usually is the, uh, the entrance into fall. So we'll see how that goes.
0: All right, best wishes to you. I know I'm in Florida, so we probably have about three more months of (laughs) You're right. right. No, No time soon. So I know you kind of alluded to, you came into oncology and came into the practice and you were in another field before, maybe another area of pharmacy. So I love to have guests share about their career journeys. Will you give us an overview of your path to where you are today?
1: Sure. Uh, it's really a, f- a full circle moment for me. I, I came out of pharmacy school uh, with this desire to move into the uh, naturopathic, the alternative medical. Ah. And I began doing research. I had this uh, longing desire to open what was known at that time as you know, a medically integrated uh or integrative medical centers, uh, they weren't prevalent at all. I think there were a few centers out west that were sort of uh, blazing the trail, but I was really intrigued with the idea of having all modalities under one roof. Yeah. So I I, I started this this journey down that path, and um, I figured I had enough resources. I had some childhood friends that were in alternative medical practices. I had one that was a chiropractor. I knew some acupuncturists. Uh, I figured together we could corral some dietitians, uh, maybe a naturopath or a, an OD, and we could get this thing going. And I realized at the time, because it was such a novel idea, that uh, finding a space to practice would probably be our biggest hurdle. And so What do you have to do to find space? You've got to buy real estate. So that took me down a rabbit hole. I I, uh, entered the real estate game and uh, I actually uh, existed in real estate uh, for several years while I was practicing pharmacy. Because again, it was the goal, the ultimate goal was to be able to buy a building so that I could start this integrative practice. Years later, <laughs> not even moments later, <laughs> but uh, that, that took me away from the original goal. But uh, I've got you know tons of experience in that space. Um, in terms of uh, my medical practice, I, I started as a retail pharmacy, uh, retail pharmacist, a retail pharmacy manager, and uh, moved to long-term care pharmacy at some point. You know, back to retail and community pharmacy, uh, and. Finally found my way into oncology, and uh, I, I tell everyone that will listen: you know, had I found this space, you know, twenty years ago, I think my life and my experiences would have been totally different. But I'm thankful for for all of the experiences that I had leading up to this.
0: Yes, absolutely. I didn't realize you had the integrative health background and that desire. So. I feel like that's something you could marry with the oncology and use it there. I don't know if, if that's ever come up or been an interest of yours.
1: So we're seeing uh, that in a lot more spaces these days, a lot more of the medically integrated practices are incorporating that on the front end of therapy. Uh, yeah. One of the Encoder conferences that I just attended that you guys uh, put on. You know, there were several practices that were presenting you know, some of their work and, and their findings along the lines of incorporating integrative practices in the actual regimens yeah, and, and patient's plans. So it's, it's great to see that. I think that's only going to expand. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be in a space that is embracing that in addition to other, uh, other areas that need some light to be shown.
0: Wonderful. So I would like to move outside of pharmacy for just a minute. Um, I know that you are really involved in a nonprofit organization. So can you talk about that and maybe the mission work you do there and any details you have
1: on that? Uh, Sure. So I am on the advisory board of directors for the We Inspire movement. Uh, I was a member of the founding board of directors. Uh, it's a great organization. Uh, the uh, founder, uh, Jamal Clark, started in 2014 with the idea of posting some positivity on social media.
0: Ah, uh, we it, need
1: that. <laughs> you know, it, it literally began as a, a a call to action to post a hashtag to see if he could garner some support, some support for uh, a day of positive posting. And so uh, in June of 2014, he asked a few friends who asked a few friends and they asked a few friends and they did a day of posting. And it went from a day of posting to an annual event to a community. And then it grew into uh, a media platform. You know, it went from just being a social media uh, platform to a media outlet. Uh, so the mission is to connect people doing good you know, to generate inspirational stories. Uh, in doing that, ignite some positive action. You know, we, we talk about the, you know, the un, unsung heroes and those who do good work and, and give of themselves without any recognition or accolade. But there's a place and a space for the energy, the collective being able to see good in action. Yeah, And I think that's one of the things that we, we want to highlight. Let's highlight, let's, let's spotlight, let's cheer those people that are uh, doing good work around the world. So uh, one of the things that we do is we have an ambassador program. Uh, those are usually, but not always, but uh, usually folks that are, have undertaken some sort of a project along the lines of giving back in, in uh, non-conventional ways. Uh, We've got an internship program. And now that we're a media organization, uh, journalism students are able to get internship credit. Oh, wow. And they uh, create, they sort of craft and and execute a project during their internship. Uh, It's it's a great, great platform all the way around. Uh, You can find us at We Inspire Movement. .org, W-E-I-N-S-P-I-R-E movement.org. Uh, there's a place to donate. And again, the, the funds that we collect go directly to the day-to-day operation, the paying of the interns and ambassadors who get stipends. So absolutely. Thank you that,
0: for that. No, that is awesome. I love it. I think I think we all know in this day and age we're lacking a little bit of positivity. And I think everywhere we look, you, you see the negative. So f- filling your mind with some of those positive things would definitely definitely be an inspiration. So I'll put the website in the show notes too. And I would encourage everyone to check it out as I will a little bit more too.
1: Absolutely.
0: So and then with that, so I know in pharmacy, we we give back, I think, to patients every day. But why do you think that giving back to our communities, even outside of pharmacy, is so important.
1: I think uh, it they mirror one another. Um, we think about giving back in healthcare. Uh, you know there there are certain spaces. There are always gaps in coverage. You know, to use a, a healthcare term. There are things that we can't always provide, even in the day to day operation of a healthcare outlet. There are are going to be some things that are missed. We can't cover every patient. We can't provide every service that's needed, but there's something about community. There's something about being joined and and, and, and the the energy of being a collective and one helping the other. And I think community in general, whether it's just giving back to your community, giving of your time and your talent or a community-based practice, where it's giving of your talent and your training uh, in a in a, in, or in a space where you know the providers, the providers know the patients, you know the neighbors, the entire ecosystem. You, if you're coming to a practice often, you get to know the people that are running the building, people that are taking care of the building, the grounds, community at its you know at its core. So yeah. I think there's I think there's something there. I think there's an exponential sort of uh, return when we when we do things from the aspect of community there's there's a, an additional energy that's there that, that we can capitalize on.
0: For sure, I love it and I feel like I'm seeing all of these health practitioners I follow a lot of them are in a, integrative medicine type practitioners you know it comes out more and more that community makes makes you healthier. Um, it make, makes makes sure makes your life a little better, perhaps even lifespan a little bit longer. So I think you're on to something. And then back to just the community oncology. So what are some of the current challenges that your practice or your pharmacy inside of the practice is facing?
1: I think uh, there are shared challenges in the space. Uh, One being the, the pushback that we're getting from PBMs in terms of, uh, being able to dispense medication for our patients. Um, it's it's going to take, you know, we, we talk about community, but it's going to take a community effort to really push back and regain some ground on uh, the way that PBMs act and interact in this space. Um, they've got, I don't want to say they've got the legislation as their back win, but that is the battlefield in which this, is going to have to be fought. Uh, We've got to get Congress to understand that you want better outcomes, uh, whether it's financial, uh, physical, uh, societal, economic, we've got to rely on the resources that we have in these practices at the community level to provide these services to our patients. Uh, It's that's our number one challenge. Our challenge, unfortunately, you know, I, I, I long for the day when we are uh, longing for patients, but yes. you know, getting patients is not our challenge. Uh, being able to provide services for our patients is not our challenge. We can provide all of those things that a large hospital system can uh, at a fraction of the cost. That is how we operate. Uh, but when we are not allowed to do what it is that we can do. That is the challenge. So I think that's the the biggest challenge that we're facing right now as a medically integrated pharmacy.
0: For sure. And are you doing anything or working on any initiatives there to help? Or I guess, what, how are, what are some ideas for overcoming that challenge? I, I know it's a loaded question.
1: So, <laughs> so, we, so we, we, we get creative. It's, a, it's another advantage of being in a, a very nimble, space, a very nimble collaborative space. You know, We're we constantly finding new and innovative ways to be able to provide services uh, at a premium, premium services at a discount, really. Wow. Uh, but uh, you know, one of the things that we are constantly tackling is financial toxicity and how we can get treatment, get medications to patients uh, in a timely manner At a cost that they can afford. Uh, I I think we've had some pretty good success in building out a staff that can fill all of the necessary roles, uh, whether it's navigating uh, authorizations or uh, securing uh, foundation assistance. Uh, We've been able to partner with some local resources that are able to fill in some of the Uh, gaps that are not as as prevalent, uh, transportation, uh, mental health uh, resources. Um, Those are some of the things that we are excited that we're able to do and, and do consistently. It's not for just one patient or just one situation, but we seem to be able to consistently provide the auxiliary services that could contribute to a patient's, you know, full care
0: yes it's fantastic and then with, with that are there other um, recent successes that are bringing value to patients that you've had in the practice or the pharmacy
1: you know, we we always cheer being able to bring a patient back who was for whatever reason you know whether it be their insurance or their HR department you know, sort of mandated that they use a certain service and you know for us to be able to push back and and show that by allowing us to fully in a 360 degree manner take care of the patient that we are actually doing the patient a service and and saving them money at the same time um, so we always celebrate those we've had a few recently that we've been able to recapture those patients you know we we deal with accreditations and we are a duly accredited uh dispensing pharmacy but it's one of the things that they like to look at you know how what is your capture and recapture rate uh how often are you having to send prescriptions out for patients which can add to time to get therapy in hand you know which can add to uh days in between treatment you know it can add to uh patients being in uh, being in a state of illness. So those are some of the things that we are happy that we are able to do and we and you know we do celebrate those successes when they come along. Uh, as of late, we've been able to push back on uh, a few PBMs uh, in that manner.
0: That's awesome. Do you, do you have any tips for others who might be in the same space um, in the recapture or even monitoring prescriptions to make sure you're trying to recapture?
1: Uh, The two biggest tips are to remain uh, vigilant and to include the patient in the process. Ah. Most of the times, we have uh, the most success when we are engaging the patient. And when we get the information, we get the feedback from the PBM, we immediately update the patient. And we ascertain what roles we both need to play. You know, there are often instances where the patient has uh, more power, has more rights than they know they have. And if we are persistent enough, when we're in conversation with the insurance, with the PDMs, and we hear certain words, we hear certain <laughs> phrases and then we understand, ah, okay, this is a, this is a situation where the patient does have, have some rights. And if the ultimate goal is for the patient to get med in hand, As quickly as possible for the least amount of uh financial stress that's something that we can do for them and we educate them on uh, on them educating their hr their insurance companies uh, as to why it is that they want their med from their provider
0: it's a a great plan and a great point i think there are so many patients who are just unaware that they can change anything or that they have any say. I think you, you bring up a really good point there. Um, and then you are, have been working with us or are currently working with ENCODA on various initiatives around social determinants of health. So why do you think this space is so important and how can practices and their staff better engage in this area? Uh,
1: again, I think this is one of the areas where if we can fill in the gaps, then we will begin to see sort of the we'll see the return in patients' health first and foremost. Uh, we were able to partner with a local resource that I spoke of earlier. And you know, it's it's interesting once you get in the community and you see what resources are available uh, and you see sort of to what lengths they are willing to go. To assist you in the work that you do, you know it, it really becomes easier. It really, you know, is heartwarming, of course. But uh, it's that's how we can effectively sort of move the needle, uh, sort of get over some of these hurdles that we've been experiencing for decades now. Um, we know that if a patient can't get to clinic, then they're not being uh, Assessed properly, so we talk about uh, early detection. We know that they're not being followed properly if they are if uh, therapy is commenced and they can't get back to clinic uh, according to the schedule that the doctors have set out. Uh, so, how do we sort of answer the the question of I'm a medical practitioner, but I don't. Control the transportation. I am a medical practitioner, but I don't control the economics of your day to day. I don't control the mental health aspect of what you're going through. So, being able to provide some sort of resource, and it could be as limited as uh, a questionnaire so that we get more information on our patient populations, it can be as in depth as this questionnaire sort of sets out that this patient is experiencing these things, which falls under the guise of, you know, mental health uh, gap in care. What is it that we can do as, as their oncology provider to provide some relief in that space? What resources do we have at our disposal? So the things that ENCODA is doing including the PQIs that are wonderful, wonderful resources, but the things that they're doing in that space to address the reality that there are certain things that are out of the patient's control and there are certain situations that are going to affect the outcomes that we are are all uh, pursuing. So what is it that we can do with the resources that we have to help sort of fill in those gaps?
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Th- thank you for working on that with us. We appreciate the, the partnership going forward. So
1: and I thank you. I, I really, really do thank you all for acknowledging that there is a need. You know, there is a need and, and whatever we can do, whatever resources that we have, let's put our heads together. Let's let's pool our resources to try to offer some some sort of uh, and I don't want to say resolution because these are are large looming issues, but you know, yeah. let's let's contribute in whatever way we can with the, with the resources that we have.
0: For sure, a, a lot of work to be done.
1: No, you're right. You're right.
0: We, you just alluded to the PQI um, resource, but we call this the PQI podcast to bring awareness to Encoda's Positive Quality Intervention resource. So I had the pleasure of working with you on a PQI in action, and I know your practice utilizes the PQI resource. But what value do you see in PQIs?
1: The PQIs are such a valuable resource, uh, especially for our practices. It's you know, we operate in a multidisciplinary space where, you know, mid-level, you know, the providers, the clinicians. The pharmacy, the technicians, the navigators, the accounting office—we are all working together towards one end, and to have a resource that we can all use. You know, our our PAs probably get the most use out of uh, the PQIs that you guys offer uh, because they are—they're—they're in the dispensing the the offering of of care in so many different aspects in our practice. And the PQIs are set up in such a way that uh, whether we're talking about toxicities, we're talking about uh, dose adjustments, dose reductions, um, monitoring parameters, it's all there. It's all one resource, it's a uniform resource. And and I know we love them at our practice. I uh, We enjoyed being able to give back to a resource that we use daily.
0: Wonderful, I I love to hear that. (laughs) Um, And then we have one last question. That's a fun question. So if you could have dinner with anyone living or in history, so basically anyone ever, who would it be and why? And then also what would be on your menu?
1: Oh, so it would be any one. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Just minor little, minor little category there to choose from. So
1: yeah, and not the round table of, of
0: well, uh, if K. Hey, we writers. have not had anyone give me a somebody did give me a band, but we haven't <laughs> had anyone give a round table. So if you would like a round table, I would love that creativity.
1: I do not have a round table today. But, okay. <laughs> but if, if there is one person that I would uh, love to have dinner with, it would probably be Paul Robeson, okay. a renaissance man of sorts. He was a he was a lawyer. He was a singer. He was an actor. He was an athlete. and He was an activist uh, and he uh, died before I was born, but he was all of these things in a time when it wasn't it wasn't expected of him to be any of those things, honestly. Yes. Uh, and he fought for human rights and, and his impact was international. Uh, when, when he saw a need, when he saw injustice, he spoke up. When he saw a need, he, he acted, he was active. Um, I, but the fact that he was proficient in so many areas has always been uh, awe-inspiring to me.
0: Yes, it's it, That's kind of mind blowing. I think to be proficient in any one of those areas yes. <laughs> would be amazing, yes. but multiple is just amazing. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a great choice. And then, what would you have on your menu for dinner?
1: Uh, and what would we eat? Uh, uh, because he was because he had such an international impact, it would probably be some international fare. Uh, I, I enjoy Ethiopian cuisine, and I don't oh.
0: eat
1: much now as i used to but it would probably be an ethiopian uh spread okay <laughs>
0: that um sounds quite amazing i'll have to i'll have to get with you offline so i have two nephews who are adopted from ethiopia okay. and i'll have to get you with my sister because she is a huge fan of the ethiopian spread so uh, that uh, sounds, eating, sounds delicious
1: i love eating with my hands you know the injera yeah. and the stews. it's it's yes that would be the cuisine
0: fantastic well thank you so much wayne for joining us today on the podcast you've been a pleasure and thank you for all that you do for patients and your work with encoda
1: thank you so much ginger it's a pleasure and it's and it's an honor
0: i hope you enjoyed the conversation with wayne to download this podcast, you can search the PQI podcast on Spotify and Apple and remember to subscribe. You can listen on our website at encoda.org. That's N-C-O-D-A dot You can also follow us on Instagram at the PQI podcast. We would like to thank Encoda for making this podcast possible. Tune in next week for another edition of the PQI podcast. Thanks, everybody.